and just turned it on. Matthew. Hey, Patty Tavares. Let's <laughs> just give it another few seconds here. It'll start right at seven. Here we go. All right. Um, well, I just want to say uh, good evening to everybody who's watching right now. And this is uh, half an hour. Hey Austin, uh, Brandy, um, this is a half an hour where I can get on and and uh, have been asked a few questions, and I'm gonna try my best to. I mean, I'm definitely not gonna be uh, comprehensive in the answers that I'm giving. These are pretty some pretty tough questions that I was given, but I wanted to try uh, to give a little bit of light on this. So um, before I start to answer the question, let's pray. Father God, thank you for. Um, this time together, we thank you for your word because your word is the truth. We just pray for your blessing upon this time. We pray for your Holy Spirit to uh, give us wisdom. And uh, we just thank you that the Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. And um, and just look to you for your wisdom and your counsel tonight. And I just thank you for everybody who's watching right now. Uh, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, this is the first question that I got. This is from... Um, uh, Pastor Tasha says, if there is one God, why are there more than 4,000 religions? That's a, an amazing question. That's a really good question. Um, you know, the, first of all, uh, God created us as individuals. He created us each individually and he's given us a mind. He's given us a spirit. He's given us a will and emotions and you know he also says this in his word it says uh in psalms 14 1 it says the fool has said in his heart that there is no god so there that is a a great question number one starting off with the premise that there is a god because there's people out there who are atheists who say that there is no god you know so in reality you know um if we're going to be honest um that we all realize that god exists you know, that's that's um, a given. It says that, you know, God has placed uh, eternity in our heart. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity in our hearts, um, except that no one can find the work of God, uh, what he does from the beginning to the end. So there's two premises there that start off. First of all, that we all have an inherent uh, understanding of God in our heart. We each have the knowledge of eternity. And uh, the Bible also says it's the fool who says in his heart that there is no God. So there's a suppression of that reality and that truth if we claim that there is no God. Now, uh, we're made to worship God. We're made to uh, have a relationship with God. And I believe as you study the Bible, and I believe that the Bible is the authority on this subject because it's the one that talks about uh, in the beginning and it goes all the way 
into the end of, of uh, the history uh, here on this earth or recorded history uh, on into eternity. And it was a manifestation of the truths of God over thousands of years and it was written down. And I believe that that chronicles the reality of who God is. Um, there's, uh, you know, the history of, of mankind's understanding with God. We know that when he first created the world, you know, he created it. He put placed man in a garden and everything that he had created, he said it was good and he was pleased with his work. And we know shortly after that, a devil, uh, a serpent came into the picture and corrupted the uh, creation of God and brought confusion in and brought darkness into that place. And at that point, uh, God's creation was no longer that perfect, pristine thing that God had created. And uh, there was a, a, a fellowship that man had with God before this uh, falling away where man had a, had a deep fellowship with God. It says God would come down in the cool of the evening and, and walk with man and commune with man. And then after that, man felt that separation and that sin. And there was a, a covering, you know, that God had to put on a fleshly clothes onto the person. The, before that, uh, man and woman were naked in the garden and they were absolutely unashamed. They were, they, were, um, they were fine with that in God's presence. So there's a darkening that came in at that point and a, um, you know, a, a separation from the truths of God at that point. It began at that place. And then we know as the story goes on, shortly after that, you know, the man descended into the chaos of that corruption, that virus. You know, now we're dealing with this uh, coronavirus and, you know, it has us all separated and we're quarantined at this point. The, the virus that was interjected into the history of mankind at that point was sin and sin brought darkness and it brought confusion and it brought fear. You know, the first thing when they when they saw God or heard God walking, they were afraid and they hid. And then God says, well, who told you? You know, these things, who told you were naked? And they were, and, and so God, at this point, that, that uh, total um, uh, communion that mankind had with God was broken. And so in that, in that darkness, these different ideas and different concepts starts coming in. And you look into the uh, account in the book of Genesis shortly after that, that uh, it says that uh, mankind, you know, started sinning and to the point where it says that every intention of his heart was evil continually. And so it didn't take long for this um, infection of sin to just come in and totally uh, change the nature of God's creation. So um, that, it seems, uh, brought confusion and then people started doing their own thing. One of the, one of the commandments that God said was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the face of the earth. And somebody named uh, Nimrod came on the scene and he was a mighty hunter or he was a, a, a leader in regards to things in, the, in those days. And he said, no, let's, let's not be scattered around the earth. Um, let's uh, build a tower here. You know, this was after the flood of Noah. And, and like I said, the, the earth had become, become so wicked that it says every intention of man was evil continually. God took Noah and, his, and, and the families, made an ark, and they survived through the flood. He says, okay, we're going to replenish the earth as man repopulated. Um, they didn't want to follow the commandment of God. And so this, this um, uh, the reason why the image of God and the reason, reasoning of a one God and, and the true worship of him, it's, it seems it was due to disobedience. As we're, people were disobedient, 
the image of God is, is marred and the understanding of God is marred. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about that. I want to go to Romans 1, which is talking about, you know, where this really starts to um, kick in. And so if you look in the, the Bible in Romans 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in ungodliness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they were without excuse. So it says that the creation itself speaks of a God, a creator, a one God, a mighty God, and his His creation is enough of a witness and a testimony to uh, lead man to the knowledge of a of a all-powerful, almighty God. But and it says, although they knew God, verse twenty-one, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So these things, when we rebel and we're we're um, hiding out and we're being rebellious in our sin, and on top of that, we're not thankful to the things of God. It says that their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So this is the beginning when we don't um, honor God, worship God, give him uh, our due uh, worship because of who he is, we can have a darkness come upon us and um, the the image of our God is, is corrupted. And then it goes in from this point, it, it goes into idolatry where they're making images and bowing down to these images and they're making God into an image that they feel comfortable with. And we got to be careful. Um, with that we don't get into this this kind of uh, image of God that we make God into something that he is not and we're um you know making an idol in effect and it says uh it goes on in Romans uh 2:12 in the you know the second chapter of Romans is for many have sinned without the law will also perish without without the law and as many of have sinned in the law will be judged by the law for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law are just justified. For the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do those things in the law. These, although having the law, are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness between themselves, their thoughts accusing or excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to the gospel. So God has given every man a, um, a level uh, and a measure of conscious and light that there's a knowledge or the spark of God in each person. And, you, you know, you, you, you mentioned this question and you say, well, what about all the people that are in the, the you know, deepest, darkest uh, jungles in South America or the pygmies in Africa? And, you know, how are they going to be judged in accordance? And I believe that God is a just God. And it says here in Romans that God knows the, the heart. And by our works, no man will be um, deemed righteous. We know that Christ died, that he was the one who gained entry 
into eternity because of his death, burial, and resurrection. And, you know, on um, this past um, uh, Resurrection Sunday, we studied that and talked about the fact that nobody could go into the heavenly realm until Christ resurrected from the dead. And then he took these people captive. So, you know, God is the one who knows the secrets of the heart. He, he says in here, he was making a comparison to heathens who don't know God. And he was comparing it to the Jews who did have the law and knew God through the law. And so he was in, and if you read these first chapters in Romans, it'll give you sort of an understanding and you ask the Holy Spirit to give understanding. That's a very deep question. You know, why so many different religions? Why, you know, did, did um, these people just fragment up and, and he chose, you know, these dis different dispensations or different ways to manifest and to show, you know, himself to a certain people group, which was the Jews who was going to bring the Messiah through them. And eventually, you know, Jesus came in and it was manifest. Now, if you, um, in closing on that question, I mean, there, there's so much to that question, and that's that's a really deep one. The person that I would look up, if you really want to look into apologetics or into these sorts of deeper questions, is his name is Ravi Zacharias. And years ago, I read his book called uh, Jesus Amongst Other Gods. And I was just watching some of his stuff. And he was saying that, you know, the only the only religions that he gives any real serious credence to are the three uh, monotheistic religions. He goes all polythe poly polytheistic or many god religions. He goes their their proposals are so ridiculous that I won't even I won't even bother going in or trying to make a case for those. I remember reading that he says the only ones that I'll try to uh, I'll try to ferret out the differences is is um, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam is the ones that he would because they're all three monotheistic one god religions and and um, they have a linkage through abraham but we know that through um the law was given to the jews and then the messiah came uh, uh jesus came through the jews he died for our sins this this was the the manifestation the fuller manifestation the old testament was uh, uh made clear in the new testament and then 600 years later another religion came in and it was trying to say that it was a replacement for and a new prophet that came in. And you can make a case where this, you know, was just listening to him recently and was saying that they don't even believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And so they, they stop, they start off their religion with a false, false premise that it's his, it's a historical fact that Jesus died, was buried and uh, resurrected from the dead. There's historical documentation of that. And so they're starting off from a false, false preface. They said, oh, it wasn't really Jesus who went into the grave. It was somebody who looked like Jesus or something to that effect. So, um, you know, we're, we're very blessed that the Lord unveiled our eyes to this truth. And we should be praying for other people to see this, this beauty and this truth that's within God's words. I'm going to read this real quick. You know, um, this is in the book of Acts chapter 17. And this is Paul, who was preaching in Athens, and he, he's there's these groups of uh, philosophers, the Stoics and the Epicureans, and it says here in verse 22, it says, And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found this altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one to whom you worship Without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, though he needed anything, 
since he gives uh, to all life, breath, and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men dwelling in the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-apported times and boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might find, grope for him and find him, though he is not uh, far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands everyone everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by, by raising him from the dead. And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, they mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So that's the, the definitive proof of why, you know, we should uh, give credence to the uh, gospel message is because Jesus is the only person in recorded history that made such outrageous claims about who he was. He was claiming to be God's only begotten son. And before he went to the cross, he said, I'm going to be um, uh, taken. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again from the dead. And he did. And they saw him ascend into heaven. So therefore, we know that what, what uh, re religion, if you want to put it in that, that we uh, do uh, worship the Lord is the right uh, faith. It's the right belief. You know, and uh, we just thank the Lord that he revealed that to our eyes because it says in the word of God that unless the Father had re revealed this to us, we wouldn't have uh, come to that uh, understanding. And so there's so much more that could be said about that. But uh, those are some, you know, some scriptures or some thoughts on that as to why, you know, with, with uh, all the people on the earth and the many, many religions out there, you know, why uh, the, the God of, of the Bible is the true God. And so um, the second question is, how does God and religious religion really help us get through tough times? That's another great question, you know, question right now, you know, we're uh, facing obstacles, you know, we're facing, um, you know, there's the hardships and some people who are not working right now. Um, there's the uncertainty of the future, you know, if you look at it in just, um, just, you know, common terms, we have God on our side, we're on God's side, so we have the certainty of him taking care of us, the, the word in Romans is, if God be for us, who can be against us, so we have the confidence in that, but as a, as a general rule, uh, it says, how does God and religion really help you get through tough times? You know, religion, that's, that's an interesting word, um, religion sounds so sterile. It sounds so, uh, uh, I don't know, mechanical, you know, and, and I, I got the definition here. It says a definition of religion. It says a particular system of faith and worship. Um, it says the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a person or God or gods. So religion, you know, it sounds uh, mechanical, you know, it sounds sort of sterile. I, I'd like to think that, you know, what we have with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not considered religion. You know, religion is, is almost sounds uh, obligatory. I have to do this. These are the things, these are the rules that I follow. This is the things that I do. But when we have a relationship with God, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
he comes alongside and and he calls us um, his friends and we can call him uh, our father or even Abba, which means daddy, that it's, it's a much more personal thing. And we can go to him with anything at any time. You know, I, I've always uh, said this and I, and I uh, pray that I could get a deeper uh, understanding of that. You know, like if, if I were to be called to the White House with a, um, a special uh, meeting with President Trump, I would be really thrilled. I'd be like, wow, this is what a privilege, you know, that I can go in there and talk to him. But in reality, I can go to the king of the universe who made everything, he created, spoke everything into existence, and he bids me to come. He wants me to come in there and spend time with him as often as I want, any time that I want. And, and, and when we really stop and consider that, uh, you know, we should be praying. I should be praying much more than I do. But there's times where you do get a, a, a fresh understanding of that. You go into him, you might have burdens, you know, you have things that are heavy on your heart and you go in there and you don't even feel like praying. It's like, oh, this stuff is so, you know, overwhelming that it's, it's a fight to get in there, in there to pray. But as we do pray, you know, you feel that, that burden lift off of you and the Lord bids us to come into his presence. And he says, cast all your cares onto me because I care for you. And so that's the, the uh, thing that he affords us. You know, he wants to have that intimacy with us. He wants us to be uh, real with him. And that really is is such a, a blessing. You know, in, in uh, Psalm fifty fifteen, it says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. You know, so that's a that's an awesome, uh, you know, a scripture that I call upon, you know, in times of trouble that I said, thank you, Lord, that you've given me this this privilege to come before you and pray when there's difficulty, when there's troubles, and I can call upon your name and you're going to do great things and I'm going to give you glory. You're going to deliver me out of those problems. You know, um, that's what he desires. He desires fellowship with us. You know, a lot of times, the only time that we, you know, or a lot of people who don't have relationship with the Lord, the only time that they pray to God is when they're in a lot of trouble. You know, you hear these stories where people were having maybe a near-death experience or they were in a really tight spot and they cried out to God and God was there and God heard and God did what they asked for, you know? And and there's a lot of times where people have had those experiences and it was life-changing for them. It was, a, it was a, um, a pivot point in their life where they said, man, God showed up for me. And, and I, I've heard people give testimony where I really didn't even believe in God, but I just spoke that prayer out and God showed up. And he wants to make make himself real in our life. He wants to, um, you know, show himself strong on our behalf. I like this scripture in Jeremiah uh, 29, 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, God is, is always looking, you know, it says man looks on the outward appearance, but God is constantly, constantly looking at our heart. And there's times where, you know, where we come and, you know, we can even be sort of half-hearted in our prayers. We might enter in that way, but as you pursue God and you go at it and all of a sudden in your heart, you get a heart change and then you really feel that communion with God. You're, you're you know, getting in there and this is where it's, it's so important you know, even in, in hard times or when we're going through stressful stuff, you know, a lot of times the flesh, that's the last thing that we want to do is pray. But that was the one thing that we really need to do is pray. And God wants us to pray at that time. He wants us to 
um, be real with him. He wants us to give him, uh, hand over those burdens to him so that he can take them from us and we can feel that, that release. We can feel that, that, that burden be lifted from us. And I like this scripture also. This is in James um, 4, uh, 7 through 10. It's, it says, therefore, uh, well, let me read above that. It says in verse 6, it says, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, when, we, when we're proud, that's, you know, how we stand off from God. But then we finally come to our senses. Like, Man, I need your help. And we humble ourselves and we go before God and we get real. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So, you know, these are all uh, good remedies. So, you know, how does God and religion really help us get through tough times? There's are some, you know... Um, you know, that, that uh, religion and God, that sounds very um, sterile, you know. So how can we say that? How can my relationship to Jesus Christ get me through hard times? And that's what he's looking for. You know, he, he, he calls us uh, friends. And, um, you know, the, the thing is when Jesus, they, the, his disciples says, Man, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the first thing he said about that topic was, this is how you, I want you to pray. Our Father. So he was teaching them a whole different way of intimately praying to God as Father and coming in uh, before him and coming at that level. That's what God desires. That's why he created us. He created us for fellowship. He created us for real fellowship. And um, he didn't make us as robots. And, you know, there's a lot of times that we go through stuff that we don't understand or it's hard, but we pursue that love relationship with the Lord in faith. And I believe that God delights in that because we haven't seen him yet with our physical eyes, yet in our hearts we desire uh, that touch from God, that love from God, and we reach out in faith and we can, we can uh, meet him in that place. And so these things are awesome. These are, these are really good uh, questions, good principles that can be shared to this. Um, the last one is, how much time I got? Okay, it says, um, there's a lot of bad news on TV every day and the world uh, is in chaos. How can there be? Uh, uh, how can there uh, be a good God? Or uh, how can there be a God? Is what I'm sorry, I didn't re read that correctly. There's a lot of bad news on the TV every day. Um, the world is in chaos. How can there be a God? You know, that's that's a question that a lot of people ask, and you know, a lot of times they they're um, almost shaking their their fist in the face of God and saying that. If, you know, if there was a God, how can there be uh, war? How can there be famine? How can there be the, all these terrible things? And in reality of it is, that wasn't what God originally created. You know, and we go to the book of Genesis, uh, in Genesis 1, the very first chapter in Genesis, and you look at his creation that he did, you know, and he, and he was, um, you know, just, uh, you know, going over all what he did there. And uh, on the six days of creation... And uh, where was that? In verse 31 of chapter 1, it says, And then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So on the very day that he created man, and he sat back, and on the seventh day he re rested, but on that day where he created man, he looked at his creation and he says, Indeed, it is not just good, it's very good. I did a good job. And so it was good, and then all of a sudden... 
Um, the enemy comes in there. The serpent comes in there, deceives mankind. There's a fall, like I talked about earlier. There's a corruption of the image of God. And then all of a sudden, it starts to degrade from there. We have shortly after that, um, in chapter 4 of Genesis, we have the first murder. The first child that was born was murdered by his brother. Cain kills Abel because he's jealous about the fact that his sacrifice wasn't acceptable and his brother's was accepted. And, and he goes, that's it, I'm going to kill him. And um, starts the ball rolling. And uh, we go to Genesis 6, like I talked about earlier. And uh, the, the earth is so corrupted. You know, it's, just, it's like that leaven in, in, a, in a lump of dough. It just went out of control. That it says that every intention of man was continually evil. They're, that's all they're thinking about. Evil, evil, evil. The bad thing is that God says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the Son of Man returns. And so we're seeing that. You know, we're seeing... You know, there's a lot of violence in the earth right now. The earth itself is in travail. The earth itself is, is convulsing. We're seeing earthquakes. We're seeing the, the weather has gone crazy. We're seeing, you know, just stuff just erupting. And the reason that's, that's going on is because as sin is rampant on the earth, that it has an effect on the earth. It, it, you know, it says that when the, when the first murder took place, that uh, Cain's uh, killed his brother Abel, it says that the blood that he, he spilt was innocent blood, that it cried out from the earth. And it, it talks about, you know, in, in Isaiah, it says that, you know, that there would be, the sin would be heavy on the earth and it would cause all these disruptions in the weather, in earthquakes and all this. So, you know, sin does definitely have an effect on our environment. You know, everybody's talking about climate change um, as the solution. Oh, we need to, we need to, um, drop our carbon footprint and stop producing so much, uh, burning so many fossil fuels. And then we wouldn't have these terrible storms. We wouldn't have, you know, droughts. We wouldn't have this. That's not the solution. The solution is that there's too much sin on the planet right now. There's this rampant sin. There's, there's abor abortion. There's devil worshiping. There's drug use. There's pornography. You name it. It's just going on right now. And, uh, you know, that's why... You know that that this manifestation and it, it's marred the image of God. Um, you know the 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 thing that we can take solace in is the fact that um, God showed us. He showed us the beginning. He showed us the end. And when He said it is finished, He said that He conquered this corrupted, fallen world at the cross. He corrupt. He conquered the devil. And he took the, the, the keys of, of uh, hell, uh, sin and death. He stripped it out of the hands of the devil. And he's given it to his body of Christ. He's given it to us believers. He's handed us the victory. And so we look to the Lord right now. We keep our eyes focused upon the Lord. And we know that the victory is assured in Christ. And, um, you know, even though these things are happening right now, if we're in Christ, uh, we can have peace. We can have rest. We can have confidence. And I'm going to close with this scripture in John 16, 33. It says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's Jesus' promise to us. That if we're focused on Christ and we put these other things that I just talked about, praying to him, confessing to him, repenting, staying close to the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, even to the most troublous times. And so I just want to thank everybody for um, tuning in and um, for uh, having an, an opportunity to answer those questions tonight. 
Uh, okay, God bless you guys.